Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Stephen G. Foster about full throttle leadership and building a strong leadership culture in your organization. Stephen Foster, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Good to be with you, John. Appreciate the time. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm super excited to have a conversation. And today we're going to be uh, focusing on building a strong leadership culture uh, within your organization and this idea um, that you espouse full throttle leadership. I'm super excited to explore that with you. Uh, as we get started, I just wanted to share Stephen's bio with everybody. Stephen Foster is managing partner of Foster Plus Fathom, a leadership and goodness development group in Dallas, Texas, an award-winning speaker, author, facilitator, and event MC. Stephen also is a nationally recognized advocate for giving back to the communities where we live, work, and meet, collaborating with a host of organizations and individuals to become force multipliers for the greater good. His roadmap for success is simple and straightforward. Outlook determines outcomes, so go full throttle. That's not surprising considering he also is a Harley Davidson life member who in 2013 completed a 34-day, 34-state, 13,000-mile solo motorcycle ride along the perimeter of the U.S. to raise awareness and support for veterans and military families, a journey chronicled in a new book, Full Throttle Leadership passion, power, and purpose on the edge of America just released this past summer. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure introducing you. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we really dive on in? No, you covered it all. Uh, you know, I, I may take you on the road with me and have you do all my introductions. And uh, again, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, we purposefully call our, our uh, concepts uh, full throttle leadership because it's a bit of a tongue t a twister. So uh, you did really, really well. Yeah. And it did twist my tongue a little bit, didn't it? Um, yeah. Well, very good. So let's start there. Let's uh, start with what you mean by full throttle leadership. Define that for us a little bit, maybe provide a, an example or two, and then we can talk more generally about how we can adapt that or pull that in rather to our discussion about developing and building strong leadership cultures within organizations. Sure. Well, you mentioned uh, in my introduction that I also am a Harley Davidson life member. Uh, and so I can tell you, um, you know, absolutely that the best organizations, most, if not all of the organizations who are lauded as having a great culture a leadership culture and always appear in the Forbes list of the top 100 places to work for, have a culture of service, uh, service uh, to everyone on the left and the right. It's almost a military concept of service before self. And so as 
we work with organizations, uh, I make the connection between service in your culture, in your organizational culture with running like a motorcycle club. I've been riding motorcycles for 50 years and I can tell you that uh, when you hit the road with a group of people headed out for a destination, maybe defined, but journey not really sure what's ahead of you, uh, you only get there if you take care of the people who ride in the pod with you. And so that means um, passion for the ride, knowing where you're going, who's coming with you, how you plan to get there, and most importantly, why that journey is important to everyone who's going to contribute their time, talent, and treasure to the ride. The power of that ride, which is literally skill building, understanding that not everybody has the same experience, not everybody uh, has the same abilities, but you only get there uh, if you start together and finish together and that everyone feels like they contributed. And the final piece, the most important piece, is the purposeful, meaningful culture. Why are we doing this? What does that mean above and beyond the bottom line? Which is important in any organization, but if you want to engage new customers in your ride, if you want to, to really generate true, meaningful, lasting, sustainable employee satisfaction, then it's gotta be more than the bottom line. Everybody has to understand we contributed something that, that floated all the boats. So that in kind of a nutshell is what full, is the concept behind full throttle leadership. Uh, it's not a new concept, um, but it's one that constantly needs to be examined and tuned up if you expect to have a powerful leadership culture. Yeah, yeah, I really like those principles you just laid out. And uh, clearly, um, we need to be all in in being effective leaders. Uh, it's it's not a passive thing. It's it's not something that can just be an afterthought. And you know, when I first saw the term full throttle leadership, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Um, that you know, this this really needs to be at the core of who we are in our role, whatever you know it is within the organization. Uh, we can be the lowest kind of line level supervisor with only a few people reporting to us, all the way up through CEO. Um, board of directors, whatever, uh, and, and wherever along the hierarchy we're talking about. Uh, but even if we're in, in informal leadership roles, it doesn't even have to be a formal hierarchical leadership role. Ultimately, we need to take very seriously um, the, the role that we have and the impact that we can have on those around us, and we need to be invested in it. And when we're, when we're invested in it, then that's, that's when we're going to have a chance uh, to really uh, make a strong impact. And that, that's really what's going to then lead into developing this, this stronger culture that, that uh, we're going to explore together. Like, how, how do we go about doing that? Uh, before we get into how to build that culture, uh, let's talk a little bit first about some of the, the roadblocks, the, the hurdles and challenges that we face um, regularly within organizations. Because all this sounds great. And I think most people listening are like, yeah, this, this is wonderful. We all want this. But in theory, it's one thing. In, in reality, in practicality, you're in the workplace every day, and we end up getting pulled in a thousand different directions. And, and how do we really give the time to this? So what are some of those challenges that you see that organizations regularly are, are trying to battle and, and deal with uh, while they you know, simultaneously want to create a dynamic culture, but they also, you know, they're just trying to, you know, 
get the product and service out to customers, right? And 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 keep the the organization running. Well, that's that's really you've landed on the sweet spot here is every organization, it doesn't matter what widget you're making, what product you're putting out there and you're selling, um, you've got to do what you do every day. You've got to sort of keep the wheel turning, right? So one of the things that when we work with organizations, once we define you know, what it is they do and how they do it, we always land on a couple of things that keep them from getting to this leadership empowerment where everyone feels like I'm a contributor, uh, I don't I don't have to ride at the head of the pod all the time. I just need to be a member of the pod and be willing to rotate up and I'll give you a graphic and then we'll answer your question. So every whether you ride motorcycles or not, you've been in your car, you've been going down the road and you've seen a pod of motorcycles come by you that, you know, and it's pretty impressive to make a big noise. But if you pay attention, you'll see a couple things. One, they always ride in what is called the staggered formation, and most people know it as the flying V. So, you know, it's a lead bike and one behind and one behind, and they do that purposefully. One is it creates more momentum, more momentum as everyone moves together. You sort of drag a little bit and you move on the momentum of the bike in front of you. But more importantly, no leader can ever stay out in front of the ride 24 seven. And the reason that you can't is that's where all the, the main resistance is. That's where all the roadkill is. That's where all the obstacles that pop up in the road. So you've got to be able to rotate back. So one of the things that we tell organizations is every member of this team, your team, the team is a leader and you have to find purposeful, impactful moments where they can rotate up and contribute. And that's called leadership development. And I will tell you that the companies and the organizations that I work with, they, again, they're very purposeful about making sure that whether it's the senior VP of whatever, or the newest member of the, of the, of the team, that they have opportunities to contribute. Now that ha can happen in a staff meeting, and I'm not talking about the typical soul-sucking, time-wasting staff meeting. I'm talking about, here's our issue. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we're challenged with today. Here's where we want to grow capability and skill today. And now let's have a discussion. Let's have your ideas. Because I will also tell you that the biggest roadblock to developing a full-throttle leadership team is a me-focused leadership hierarchy. Uh, you know, that, that traditional corporate, uh, you know, uh, hierarchy pyramid. Um, nobody wants to go on a motorcycle ride that has been completely planned out with every stop scheduled and every lunch planned. They want to feel part of the decision making. So the first part is to sit down and say, okay, here's our challenge today. Open the discussion. What does the team think? Um, leadership is we focused, not me focused. And in fact, if we have a sign uh, hanging in our conference room and it says, uh, if you think you're the smartest person in this room, you're, the, you're in the wrong room. Uh, there is no, there are no titles in our, in our own organization. Uh, everyone meets sort of at a peer level. And yes, there are responsibilities that have a hierarchy to them. But at the end of the day, 
I don't get done what I need to get done just because Stephen Foster is brilliant. Quite the opposite. I, I get done what I need to get done because I have a team that I completely trust and they know that I completely trust them and they're empowered to make decisions. And that's the first step is letting everybody know you already have a seat at the table. You already have your hand on the throttle. Roll on it. Um, there's, no, there's no bad ideas. There's no stupid questions. In fact, it, it's all about figuring out as we move along and then turning that process, that takeaway into sustainable, repeatable culture. And we do it over and over and over again. And pick the company that you love, whether it's Starbucks or it's Southwest Airlines or it's Google or it's whatever it is. You'll find that that's the reason that you love them is that they give you what you need. They bring you into their culture and you trust them. That's leadership. Yeah, I love that. And I love the focus on trust development, uh, empowerment, inclusion, allowing everyone to be part of the conversation. Um, all of those elements, I think, are, are really, really important. And they fit really well with, with this, uh, the analogy, the, the, the figurative uh, example of, of the, the bike ride and the, the flying V, as you mentioned. Uh, you've also referred to it, uh, you talk about goodness. Um, what's the role of goodness? Uh, perhaps it's it's somewhat connected to what you were discussing earlier about the kind of servant leadership mentality. But what's what's the importance of goodness and why is it important in building a strong leadership culture? I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. Personally, I don't believe that you can call yourself a leader if you just serve yourself. Um, and there are many historical examples of that. And we have certainly seen examples of that in failed corporate America. We see it in our politics, quite frankly. And so goodness is all, again, it's about the we. It's about you're doing this not for yourself, not to add medals to your chest, uh, not to add kudos for yourself. You, you know, a, a leader wants to build sustainable culture. Uh, he, he or she wants it to survive them. Um, you know, that's why Apple is, is still here and Steve Jobs is not uh, because, you know, he built this culture that said, you know, this is who we are. This is what we do. Everyone has a, a place and it's not, it, I don't have to be here. 
physically or otherwise to make sure that people get who we're all about. Um, and so I think doing good, and I call it goodness, uh, is important. And, I, and especially post-COVID, and, and I want to just land here for a second, there was so much disruption and disconnect and despair uh, across the planet uh, because of COVID. But what you saw in organizations that had to lay off employees and the ones who were able to stay and, and, and survived was they did have this culture of care, of goodness, of let's, let's take care of each other because we're not selling our product right now. We're not getting together. We're not gathering in the office. We've had to lose some members of our family, of our tribe, of our team. So how do we take care of each other? And, um, uh, there are, back in the day when I first started talking about goodness and I would go into corporate America and they would give me, the, the eyes would kind of glaze over because it was like, well, but you can't put a metric to that, Stephen. And, and how do I measure that to my bottom line? And how do I sell that to my board of directors? Well, uh, we're in a different era now. In fact, the last four issues uh, of Fortune Magazine talked about goodness as a culture as a business metric for however you want to measure it, bottom line profits, employee engagement, customer satisfaction, customers willing to change brand loyalty to a new brand because their culture of being a good, what I call a force multiplier in the community where you live, work and meet, that resonated with them. And this new generation of millennials and Gen Xs and Ys and Zs and whatever number letter follows it, that's their sweet spot. They want to work for a company that is a good corporate citizen. They want to work for a place that understands that for them, part of me giving you my time, talent, and treasure is completely dependent on my trust that you are doing things ethically, uh, correctly, that you're doing good in the community. So that's a, I no longer see the glazed over look because I think the last poll I saw in Fortune, 83% of corporate CEOs understand the value of being good corporate citizens, giving back in the communities where you live, where you work, and where you meet. And your first customer is not that external one. It's those internal, it's those family members. It's that team that is your brand. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. I, I think. Uh, over the course of the last 18 plus months, uh, we've really seen a sifting, so to speak, of uh, the, the caring and uh, the, the caring leader with empathy uh, who can uh, stand up and be there for their people, uh, the organizations that have been able to do that and those that haven't. And uh, there's been lots of talk around the great resignation, and certainly the, the labor market right now is a challenging one for organizations to attract and retain good people, and people just aren't willing to put up with kind of the, the status quo, the old school approach to what they were experiencing in their organizations. They expect more, they're demanding more, they have options, and, uh, and so we need to care more. We need to be good to our people, treat them like individuals like human beings treat them with dignity and respect and i mean that's all sounds i suppose it sounds obvious but in the daily grind of doing business um, those types of things can get left by the, the wayside very easily uh, if we're not uh, really giving it a focus and you know the 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 survey you just cited about 
executives and CEOs who recognize the importance of the organization as a corporate, uh, a socially responsible corporate partner um, in the communities. That's good to hear. And that certainly has shifted a lot in, in uh, recent years and over the last decade. Yet, saying it is one thing, doing it is another. And being able to be effective in really putting that into practice in our organizations where the rubber meets the road, that's what we need to focus more on. Uh, because I really do think that the needle has moved, that we have more um, corporate leaders that recognize and understand the importance of this, uh, even if not for the human case, but for the bottom line business case of the organization, they recognize it's important. Um, yet, a lot of organizations still haven't quite figured out how to do it. And it's because we have so many, you know, just really tall pyramid structure hierarchies within organizations. And the traditional organization wasn't, it was built more for efficiencies, not necessarily for, um, you know, what we're talking about right now. So how do we, you know, if, if, I, if I'm a leader sitting here listening to this conversation, and I'm like, this all sounds great, I want to do this within my organization, I want to be a leader um, that uses goodness in my interactions with my people, yet the system they're in, the structure of the organization is such that they feel uh, they, they, they feel hindered in their ability to do so. So what, what would be some of those first steps that we need to start to take uh, as we're challenging the systems that we're in, as we're trying to create more positive, uh, sustainable, healthy organizational policies, practices, and procedures to make sure that, that we are taking care of our people? Well, nothing that is not culture ever sticks. Uh, a process will change and morph based on a lot of things, external uh, pressures, uh, speed to market, marketing, um, availability of products. So you have to commit that doing good is part of the doors being opened every day. And if you think about it, most organizations know how to do this but they do what I call one-offs and drop-offs. I, I don't think that there's probably a company on the planet that doesn't do a Toys for Tots drive at Christmas, who doesn't collect coats for the homeless or doesn't have a food drive where they say, you know, bring in some canned product. And I always laugh at that one because it's, if you've ever been a part of that and you look at what is brought in, it's like, yeah, that's the can of, you know, asparagus that nobody wants to eat or the kidney beans. So, you know, there, there is no heart connection there. So one of the best place to start is I also know for a fact that I don't care how big your company is, if you have four people in it, if you have 4,000 people in it, there's someone in that organization that giving back is a core competency, it's part of who they are. And so I love to get teams together and say, okay, do you have a cause that is part of your culture? Some do, you know, they adopt an inner city school or they work uh, with the local children's hospital or the veterans association, that's great. So instead of doing this one-off and this drop-off, once a quarter, do a goodness project, have everyone involved. And I can tell you, there's a couple of companies that do this really, really well. I just had the chance to work with one in Dallas last year. And four times a year, the employees have one day paid day off, but they have to use the day doing good in the community. And so they work together as collaborative work groups by department. 
They don't all have to have the same cause, but they have to come up with a campaign, something, an activity, an event that they do. After they individually finish that, the week after, they come together and they present the, what they did. And the, the company chooses one, one event, one cause that they think was really meaningful, really uh, expressed who they are. And whatever funds were raised, they match them for that cause. Now, here's what happened four days, four paid days throughout the year. They expanded their reach in the community. They, they, they were able to leverage their social media or whatever their communication strategies were. In many of cases, they were local newspapers, local television crews coming out and filming. So their messaging was company X is a good corporate partner. Here's what they did in the community. Here's how their employees reached across the, the, the landscape and changed fundamentally the lives of people in those communities who have no connection to their company. And talk to their employees, see how motivated they were to return to the work the next day and jump back in it and, 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 own, and have that ownership that what Jocko Willink, the retired Navy SEAL calls extreme ownership of this goodness that they did. Uh, and again, any metric that increased the bottom line, that increased brand awareness, that increased employee satisfaction. And I'll guarantee you those companies got brand new customer inquiries because they saw it on social media. They saw it, they read about it in their newspaper. They saw it on the six o'clock news and the, in the human interest feature. And they went, wow, that's a, that's a company I'd like to work for. That's a company that I want to find out more about. So you have to make it part of your culture. And that, that doesn't have to land on the CEO. In fact, it's best that it doesn't land on the CEO. Ask the boots on the ground. Ask your people, what do you care about? What are you doing? How are we going to fill these four slots? And what makes the most sense? Uh, and even employees who maybe don't come to that ride, uh, in parentheses, with a goodness culture, it's not part of what they did growing up, uh, their eyes sort of light up and they go, wow, this is this is, I always, I, I, I like what I do. And I think this is a great company, but we're really making a difference. I'm part of something that's changing people's lives. And by the way, it's changing my life. It's making me more grateful. It's making me more thankful and aware of the blessings that I have in my own life that we all really have. Because I promise you, I don't care where, where you are right now. Somebody isn't doing as well as you are. Somebody doesn't have the resources that you do. And if you're able to connect with that and see that impact you make, I mean, there's nothing better than that. that that's leadership. That's legacy. Um, that is full throttle. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Stephen. It has just been a pleasure talking with you. We could go on and on. Uh, but before we close for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Sure. Well, uh, the easiest way, obviously, is to go to our website, www.foster, and then a dash fathom.com. But you can also find us uh, at Facebook at Foster Fathom and LinkedIn at uh, Foster Fathom as well. Just, just Google it. It'll pop up. Uh, we, we have a, a, a pretty strong presence in social media just because every day we have the opportunity to partner with so many great organizations. And I would say to your, your teams that are out there, you know, you don't have to ride a motorcycle to be a full throttle leader. You don't have to um, have any formal leadership training. 
what you have to have is a passion to do good, to learn, to grow. That's actually what the name of our company means. So foster means to grow and fathom means to know. So if you've got a passion to grow and know your own self personally and professionally, if your organization has a commitment to grow and know their impact in the communities where you live, you work and you meet, then you're already on your own journey. You're already on your own ride to full throttle leadership. And, and I encourage everybody to embrace that because we need that now uh, in our lives, personally and professionally more than ever. Uh, and, it, and it will make a difference. And uh, there's nothing better than that. Thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Stephen and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. You can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.